0: Here we are, going to be on Balaam today, and if you have a handout, it's Lesson 6. I think we're already, this should be about Lesson 8, so we've stopped on Balaam for a little bit. Does anybody need a handout? It's the same one we've had for a couple weeks. I can give you a new one. I have a few up here. So we're going to rehash Balaam again, because we find him in the book of Jude. But before we get there, I want you to turn over to Psalms, chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. Okay? And so, uh, let's, I want to start off by reading Psalms chapter 1, and it says this, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the, what's the next word? Ungodly. Ungodly But are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the what's that one word? Ungodly shall perish. Now we've been going through the book of Jude, and Jude is basically a warning. The whole book, and it's the theme of the book is to contend for the faith. Because there are ungodly men. That's really the just of the book of Jude. It is a warning to watch out for these ungodly men. And that's why we've been looking at Cain. That's why we have been looking at Balaam. And we will look at Korah coming up. But we're going to be looking at ungodly men. And yet, when we study the Bible out, ungodly men are all over the place. In fact, they start off with, with Cain. From the very beginning, you know, Adam and Eve's first son, Cain, is an ungodly man. And all the way to Jude at the end of the book, it still talks about watch out for these ungodly men. Why? Because if you follow them, they'll take you down, they'll take you down a rabbit hole and you'll be in Alice in Wonderland, you know. Land, but it won't be Alice in Wonderland. It'll be in hell because that's exactly where they're going to take you to. Okay, so I wanted to just kind of throw that out. I was going through reading in my own uh, my own uh, Bible time in the morning. I was reading through Psalms. I think it was last week. I'm like, oh, I got to put this in there because when you start studying something in the Bible, it's just like buying that new car. Everywhere you go, you see another one that's just like yours. When you're studying a certain topic in the Bible, it'll start. Popping out everywhere you go. And that's just the neat thing about the Bible because God will connect it all together for you. So, uh, I want you to go ahead and go back to the book of Numbers and we're going to stay there a little bit. So not, let me rehash just a little bit with what we've learned so far with Balaam. Because he's linked in with two other guys in the book of Jude. Who are the other two guys? We already studied one. Korah, which we haven't studied yet. And who was the first one? Cain. Okay, so so the Bible links Cain, it links Balaam, and it links Korah together as ungodly men and not just ungodly men. I mean these are like the poster people. I want to say poster child. They are the poster people of what an ungodly man is. And when we go back and study them out We'll find out why, okay? So we looked at let me see if I get my outline out here. We looked at the story of Balaam. We looked at the first proposition that he had, and the first proposition that that Balaam had from Balak was, to "Come and curse these people." And his answer was a really good answer. He goes, "Lodge here tonight, and I'll go to the Lord for his take." basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing. And God's answer was, you will not go, you will not curse them, for they are blessed. And Balaam's answer back to the people was, go back to your land because God won't let me go with you. So he didn't really give the answer back to, to, to the messengers to take back to Balak. So what does Balak do? He he sends a second group of people that are a little higher in position for a second proposition. And he says, let nothing stop you from coming. Now wait a minute, who told him not to go? God did. So he says here, he says, Balak's advice to Balaam is, hey, don't let God stop you from coming to see me. Where am I at? We're going to be in Numbers uh, chapter about twenty-two. I'm just rehashing for a little bit, and then we'll get to where we're going to go. So let me give you let me give you a handout now to kind of give you the story, kind of where we're at. Thank hey. you. You're welcome. and And so we've already looked at that the last couple weeks. And so the second proposition was, hey, if uh, don't worry about God. Uh, and you come here because I am going to promote you. In fact, he's willing to basically do about anything he wants that, ba- that Balaam wants because he wants him to come and curse these people, but he's afraid that their country is going to get wiped out. And so he is desperate. He's thinking that these people are going to take over or destroy and fight against Moab or Balakus. So he's willing to give anything he's got. To Balaam. He's like, you just come and I'll give you whatever you want. Why? Well, he thinks he's gonna die and the nation's gonna die, so he's like, I don't care what I gotta to do to get you to come, I'll give it to you. So he, so not only does, does Balak have that mentality, Balaam understands it. He goes, man, this guy's in between a rock and a hard spot and he's willing to give up anything if i do this and yet god says don't and yet what does he do he goes okay so we we talked about his journey last week okay where where he goes even though god said not to go but he goes and then in the middle of all that you know he talks to the donkey or the donkey talks back to him or both so i'm not getting into that mess cuz i got into that last week so um so that was last week okay and uh we had quite a, uh, a, a uh, energetic conversation with that. Let me put it that way. So, uh, but here's the point I want to make about that. Balaam was so focused on what he could get that he didn't make good decisions. All along the way, he is so focused on what he thinks he can get from this king that he's talking to his donkey and he thinks it's normal. He's focused on what he can get, okay? I've said that like three times, but that's basically it. And so today we're going to talk about the meeting. And that takes place in Numbers chapter 22, 36. And it runs all the way to Numbers 24, 25. And it's a long drawn out thing. We could have probably just done a whole series just on Balaam and broke everything down. But that's not my point because we're going through the book of Jude. So I'm going to have to be a little quicker with that today. So his first meeting, in fact, let's read that. It's going to be uh, Numbers 22 and let's go to verse 36. And just follow along with me. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, so he's finally, uh, Balaam has finally got to where Balak is. He went out to meet him unto a city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? But I am not able, am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor and Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am coming to thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. He's basically saying, Hey, I finally come, but whatever I do tell you, I can't tell you unless the Lord puts it in my mouth to give it to you. Sounds pretty good. Let's see what happens. Hold on to that thought. Because does that follow through all the rest of the story? And the answer is no, it doesn't. But that's his first reply. So he's also, I hadn't put that in my notes somewhere, he's also a liar, so let's keep going. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came into Kirjath, Hazath, and Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him to the high places of what? Baal. Now where, where is, now see my, my, my asking starts, my brain starts going Abel at this point, not AWOL, but just jumping up and down and going, okay, so where is this? Where is the high places of Baal? Is there a? I want a specific one. There's a lot of them, so that's why it doesn't say specifically which one. But it is around this city, this Kirjathhuseth, and and God just gives us an inkling of some information of what's going on because he, he could have just said, you know, we went to a high place, but no, the Bible tells us a high place of Baal. That's where they've been worshiping Baal at that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. And Balaam said to Balak, I'm going to continue on in chapter 23, Build me here seven altars and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by the burnt offering. Now if you want to study this deeper, you got to go back and look at the burnt offerings. what does that represent? It really represents Christ if you look at it. And so I'm not going to get into it any more than that. And he says, And I will go, a preadventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me I will tell thee. And he went to a to an high place. And God met Balaam and said unto him, I have prepared seven altars. And he said unto him, so I'm assuming Balaam's talking to God. He goes, I have prepared seven altars and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, return unto Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. And he returned unto him and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and he said, Balaam, the king of Moab hath brought me. And I want you to see this right here. This first parable is all about God talking to Balaam. It's all about Balaam. He is addressing Balaam in this first prophecy. And he took up his parable and he said, Balak, the king of Moab hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east saying, come curse me Jacob and come defy Israel. How shall I see it's all about not only, not only is, is, uh, uh Balaam a liar, which we'll find out, but he's also a narcissist because it's all about him. And we're going to find out it's all about what he can get. And he says, How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Defied, For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last be like his. Okay, so that's basically what he said. And so, and Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done on me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether." And he answered and he said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, unto another place from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt not see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. So the first meeting, the first sacrifice, is at a high place of Baal. And the purpose... Of going to, through that high place of Baal was to look out over the Israelites. Balaam asked for seven altars where they sacrificed seven oxen and seven rams, and they were burnt offerings, like I mentioned. And here's another point that I see here. I'm just kind of looking through this. I'm playing Colombo, just trying to pull out the facts, okay? Uh, or or what was the guy on DragNet, Joe Friday? Just the facts, just the facts, yeah. okay? And. Uh, so what are what are the facts? He they do the sacrifices and Balaam goes out to meet somebody. Who does he meet? The Lord. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? He actually talks with the Lord. Now, what was the first guy we studied? Cain. Did he have a talk with the Lord? Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. And uh, he, he, he ends up at the end of this, he sees God face to face, he comes back and he ends up blessing Israel. But during this whole thing, it's addressed to Balaam. I know, yeah, it's addressed to Balaam. I get him and Balak mixed up from time to time. This whole parable is really focused on Balaam himself. So we're going to look at the second sacrifice. Okay? And so, uh, let's see, where did I stop off? Fourteen. Okay. So let's, let's start there. Well, let's go back to thirteen. And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me into another place from whence thou mayest see them, thou shalt see but the utmost part of them and thou shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. Here's the thing that blows my mind. They've already done this once. It's kind of like telling your, somebody, well it's raining out in the front yard. Why don't you go out in the backyard and see if it's raining there. I mean, it's like going to a different place. Do we think that's going to make a difference? But I guess Balak is desperate. He's, he's throwing out everything he can. He goes, let's try this again. And he takes him to a different place. He's taking them to a place where he sees fewer of them. Right. So I think Balak's thinking that Balaam's intimidated by the number. Could so, be. You know, Could be. So let's just see a, part- a portion of them and see how that goes. And he brought him into verse 14, to the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto him, Balaam, stand here by the burnt offerings, while I meet the Lord yonder. So second time, he goes off to meet the Lord. Again, this is wild stuff here, okay? And the Lord met Balaam, verse 16, and he put a word in his mouth, and said, Go again unto Balak, and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offerings, and the princess of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? Now I want you to look at who's focused at on this one. And he said, verse 18, And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. He's addressing Balak this time. So everything's kind of addressed to Balak. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall it not, and shall he not do it, or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless, and he hath blessed. I cannot reverse it. So now Balak is getting the full force of why, what God is doing and why Balaam cannot curse Israel because God says he can't and, and God's not going to repent and go back on his word. Verse 21, and this is interesting too, he says, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Really? Has God not seen anything that Israel has done up until this point that it's perverse and wrong in His eyes? They just wandered through the 40 years. They disobeyed Him in going through the land. They've been murmuring for 40 years and all this. But in God's mind, right now, the nation of Israel or Jacob is blessed and He doesn't see all that sin that they've been doing because His focus on them and the promises that He has given them. Okay? Okay. Said he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God hath brought them out of Egypt, and he hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Now you can go back and look at that till you're blue in the face to try to figure out what this unicorn is. I just have a feeling, you know, some people, it could be this, it could be that. Um... I don't know. I think it's probably an animal that's not here now. I don't know. But yet you see him all the time, right? Um, Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any definition against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what God hath wrought. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, now he's getting it, he goes, neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. And, but Balaam answered, and he said unto Balak, told not I thee saying all that the Lord speaketh, that I must do. And Balak said unto Balaam, come, I pray thee, and I will bring thee into another place. Pray it will please God, that thou mayest curse me them from thence. Okay. So let's stop there and look at this for a little bit. It's a different location. It's in a field on the top of of Mount Pisgah. Seven more altars, seven more sacrifices. And again, Balaam goes to meet with the Lord. And finally, God gives the message that goes straight back to Balak. And Balak, I think, is starting to get the picture, but he still hasn't got it all yet. Okay? So... He tells Balak he goes or basically God is telling Balak God is not a man that he should lie. He promised Israel certain prophecies and he's not going to go back on them. And we can go back to Genesis 12:3 where God said that he would bless Abraham and his descendants and he would curse them that curse them. Still enforced today. It was enforced then. Okay. And not only that, I want you to turn over in your Bible to Psalms 89. We're going to look at one more portion here. And I love this, this, you should, everybody should take this uh, passage in Psalms 89 and either memorize it, highlight it, do something with it. Uh, chapter 89 and verse 34. Psalms 89-34, and the Bible says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the things that is gone out of my lips. Now that is God speaking here. When He gives a promise, it's as good as gold, and He gave a promise to Israel, and He's not going to go back on it. If He would have allowed Balaam to curse Israel, God would have been allowing him to... Or he would uh, basically what Balak is trying to do is, is to get God's prophet to curse Israel and God says, uh-uh, you can't curse Israel. You can't tempt me. I'm not going to change my mind. That's the way it is in the story. But Balak just can't get this in his head. In this in this passage we just look through he says neither is this he, he basically says I'm not go back on him and he goes he can't lie basically and he goes neither is the son of man did you notice that I just read a minute ago again a reference back in numbers to 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 Jesus Christ he goes I have received a commandment to bless and he God hath blessed it and he will not reverse it and you know why that why is that why do I like that uh passage, or that verse, so, so much. Because if God could go back on His promises to Israel, He'd go back on His promises to us. God's not a God that does that. He is true blue. What He says is going to work, whether it's tomorrow or 10,000 years down the road. He's going to do what He says. So let's go back to Numbers. We're going to look at the third place, the top of Pure. And I think that's back in verse, uh, let's see where we're at. Twenty four. Nope. Seven. Oh. Where did I end off at? Twenty seven. Okay, we finished fourteen, right? So he's going to the third place. Let's go to twenty four. Okay. We do twenty seven. Okay. Yes. Verse twenty-seven. I'm sorry, I'm, I got. I'm getting all this mixed up in my mind. And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee into another place. Preadventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me from thence. I Man, he just doesn't stop. And Balak brought Balaam up unto the top of Peor that looketh toward Jashamin. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars and prayer me here seven bullocks. And seven rams, and Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar chapter twenty four And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. Okay. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes and the Spirit of God came upon him. Now let me just tell you, the first, the first time he, he, he gets a message from God, it is for Balaam to get that in his mind. The second one was for Balak. This one here is, is basically a prophecy of Israel's future. So he's given a prophecy that's going to take place in, for Israel in the future here. Okay? Verse 4 says, And he has said which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes opened. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel, as the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the riverside, as trees of line." aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be as in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He, couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion, and who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. And now, and now that's basically what he said, verse 10, and Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together, and Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now, flee thou to thy place, and I thought to promote thee to great honor, but lo, it's the Lord who has kept thee back from honor. Wow. I was going, I mean, he's a narcissist too. It's all about him. I mean, these are two guys when it's all about them and a story about them. He goes, if it wasn't for God, I would have put you in great honor, but it's God that's kept you from this. And Balaam said unto Balak, verse 12, spake I not also to thy messengers? Which thou sendest in me saying, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, how does he know that? I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad, or mine, of mine own mind, but what the Lord seeth, that will I speak. So, let me just stop here for a minute. So, we're at the end of the third one, and, uh, this time they're looking out into the wilderness area. That's what the name Jeshiman means. that is also in this passage. It means the wilderness. And this particular message, the third message, is, focuses on Israel's future. It's basically a prophecy of them. And so Balak's mad and he tells Balaam to flee and go to his where? His own place. Did I read that yet? Um, let me go back and see if I can find it and laven. Thank you. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. Okay? Now, if you're a Bible student, he he flew to it, he was supposed to go to his own place. Now, that's going to link him up with a few other people in the Bible that God says went to their own place. Okay? So, we've got some time. Go back to Genesis 31 and we're looking at, we're going to look at another man that was that went back to his own place genesis 31:55 genesis 31:55 and this is a story of of uh jacob trying to leave Mesopotamia or haran and get back to 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 israel and uh Laban really doesn't want him to go and all the things that goes through that story and Laban changes his wages and all the things he does and verse fifty five and it says and early in the morning Laban rose up and he kissed his sons and his daughters remember Laban uh, uh Jacob takes his wives and they they split and they head to israel while Laban which is His wife's uncle, if I remember right, he's out shearing the sheep. And Jacob says, this would be a good time to head back to Israel because they're gone and take all the, all the, the two wives and all their sons and all the things he'd gotten and they split. Well, Laban catches up to him on the way back to Israel, and they kind of have it out, but finally God kind of tells Laban, uh, for your own safety, you better leave this guy alone, because he's blessed also. And so at the very end, it says about Laban, and early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters, which was basically um, uh, Jacob's sons and daughters, and, and he blessed them, and Laban departed, and he returned unto his place. Okay. So um, Laban had a place, and if you go back and study Laban, you'll find out he's not a very, he's an ungodly man also. But uh, let me give you another man in the Bible, Absalom. So can anybody tell me who Absalom is? Uh, David's, son. David's son, and David's son that wanted to kill him, right? So turn over in your Bible to 2 Samuel, verse. Chapter 18. Samuel chapter 18. In fact, it's chapter 18 and verse 18. And it says, Now Absalom in his lifetime... Had taken and reared up for himself a pillar which is in the king's dale. For he said, "I have no son to keep my name in remembrance." Interesting. And he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called unto this day Absalom's what place? Interesting. I hadn't seen the part part that he doesn't have a son or children. That good tie-in. So we have we have. uh, Balaam is told to go to his, to his own place. We have Laban return to his own place. We have this guy named Absalom that is told, uh, had a, had his own place. And there's another person in the Bible that had his own place. Does anybody know where I'm going with this? Is it, uh, Judas? Judas. Thank you. Judas, the man that betrayed Christ, had his own place. Okay? So, again, I know you guys are from Missouri, or most of you, and you'll want to know where, so turn over in your Bible to Acts chapter 1. So hang with me, I'm going somewhere with this. Acts chapter 1. And the end of Acts, go, go all the way to the end of the to the chapter, all the way down to about verse 25. But the, the just is what's going on is Judas has already committed suicide and so the apostles are, are replacing him in this passage, okay? And in fact, let's jump up to tw- verse 23. And they appointed two, Joseph card Barsabbas who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and they said, Thou, Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he, Judas, might go to his own place. Okay? So Judas had his own place. And we know that that place... Uh, was perdition because the Bible tells us in Revelation 178 that Judas was the son of Perdition and he went to his own place. okay so I, I'm, I'm tying all these together because you, you got to do a little uh, homework but God wastes no space in his Bible and so he's trying to get a picture here. These guys are all connected because they have the same mentality. All right. So just hang on to that. We may come back to that in a little bit. Uh, Back to Balaam again. Back in in Numbers. Balaam's next and last response to Balak was more prophecies of Israel. So let's go back to chapter... uh, Where are we at? Numbers. Back to Numbers 24. And we're going to look at 15 through 24, if I'm right. I haven't read that yet, have I? No. So here's another, another parable or another thing, not just the three that he gave to Balaam. This one, I think, uh, it's just thrown in for free. Verse 15. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, he had said which he heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the most high which saw the vision of the almighty fallen into a trance and having his eyes open I shall see him but not now I shall behold him but not nigh there shall come a star out of jacob Do you notice that star is capitalized that star is a reference to the messiah or jesus christ and a scepter that scepter is capitalized is another reference to Jesus Christ, shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy the children of Seth, or Sheth. This is, this is yet future, so this is a little future prophecy. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And we looked on Amalek he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. And he looked on the Kenites and took up his parable and said, Strong is thy dwelling place, and thou puttest thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenites shall be wasted until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took up his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? The ships shall come from the coast of Chittim and shall affect Asher. And shall affect Eber, and he also shall perish forever. So the last little tidbit of prophecy that God or that God gives through Balaam again is future prophecy of Israel. So God used this guy, this ungodly guy by the name of Balaam, that had some connections to him, that did what was wrong. He still uses him to get out prophecies and bless Israel. So again God will use even those people that are against him for for his good and purpose. Okay. Okay. So more prophecies of Israel. And then at the end, let's go to the very end, chapter 24:25 and Balaam rose up and he went and returned to where his place again. And Balak also went his way. Okay. So when you just go through this, you think, okay, Balaam is no, you know, uh Girl Scout, but I mean he's 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 not that bad. Well you gotta start putting all the rest of the pieces in the Bible together to really get the full picture of what he does. And so the Bible is not silent on Balaam all down through it. So in Numbers thirty one sixteen, we're already there. We got a little bit of time left. I gotta hurry up though. Numbers 31, 16 says this. Let me get to the right. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the council of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of Israel. Or or, among the congregation of the Lord, who? Now, what does what what's that mean? Well, back up to Numbers twenty-five. Okay, now stay with me. I know it. I'm all over the place. Because right after Balaam goes back to his own place, right after Balak was trying to destroy Israel, twenty-five one through four says, and Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of who? Moab. Well, wait a minute. Coincidence that Balak's the king of Moab? Hmm. And they called the people and the sacrifices... And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat. And they bowed down to their gods, and Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people, and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. All of a sudden there is a plague getting ready to start. There's people here that's committing whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And when we start connecting all the dots, we realize that somebody gave the king of Moab and his people the directions on how to take Israel down. And it all points back to Balaam. Okay? And when we look at the rest of the Bible, we'll find that out. Okay? Because what basically happens is Balaam goes back to Balak and he says, I can't curse Israel. But I can tell you how you can destroy them. So what's he do? He goes against God. He goes against the Israelites. And why does he do it? Money and position, okay? So in Numbers, we see the result of Balaam's advice to Balak. And thirty one sixteen. We also find out. Did I have that right? Balaam also gets killed, and maybe that's further down my list. Um, in Deuteronomy twenty three three through five, I'm just going to read this. Ba- uh, Mo- the Moabites and Balak, they hire Balaam to curse Israel. In Joshua twenty four nine through ten. Um, Again, it sh- it shows here that B- uh, God did not hearken to Balaam. In Nehemiah 13.2, we see that Balaam was hired to curse Israel, but God blessed them. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 5, we see the same story, but we see that God only blesses them. In 2 Peter 2.15, oh, I'm, I'm missing something here. Okay, before I go any farther, let me back up. Numbers 31, eight, And if I got there yet, did I read that? No. Okay, I skipped over this, I'm sorry. Numbers thirty-one eight it says, And they slew the kings, this is Israel, And they slew the kings of Midian, beside the rest of them that were slain, namely Evie, Eve, and Recham, and Zer, and Hur, and Reba, five kings of Midian, Balaam, also the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. So Balaam ends up getting killed down the, down the way. Okay? So I just wanted to throw that out. Who are the five kings of Midian? The five kings of Midian. Okay. So, when I've studied Midian and I heard, uh, uh, Pastor Brian was talking about this a few weeks back, going through through Exodus about the Midianites. I find the Midianites are connected with the Sinai Peninsula, but yet we also found out where where uh, uh, Balaam was was at when, when Balak first called for him. And remember where he was. And. He was all the way back in Mesopotamia. So there's a group up north and there's a group down south and Israel goes against the Midianites a little later on in the story. And I have to think about this. So which Midianite group do you think the Israelites wiped out? The group that was close to them in the Sinai Peninsula or the group that was back up at Ur? So again, I guess it depends on where do you think... Uh, Balaam's place was, did he go back home or did he go to a place of honor which he wanted that maybe he got from, from the king of Moab? Go back and do a little homework there, okay? So, again, I'm running out of time. So, uh, we see it in, in, in Deuteronomy, Joshua, Nehemiah, Micah, and then 2 Peter 2.15. I'm going to focus on three things and then I'm going to wrap this thing up. 2 Peter What was the reference in Nehemiah? Reference in Nehemiah is in uh, chapter 13 and verse 2. Okay. Second Peter 2.15 says in fact let's back up to verse 14. They're talking about Uh, 2 Peter is a lot like Jude. It's talking about ungodly men. Verse 14, Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart that they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, verse 15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam. So what is the way of Balaam? Well, number one, it's not the right way, it's the wrong way. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So what is the way of Balaam here? It's the fact that he loved money. Okay. Filthy lucre. lucre. Turn back over to 1 Timothy. You guys probably know where I'm going. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's start in verse 6. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they which be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's interesting. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what yours says? All evil. All evil. Now if you go to a NIV and I looked at it this morning, it'll say all sorts of evil. This one says all My book says the love of money is the root of all evil. Now that's kind of wild to get. says, which while, let me finish the verse, some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. O thou man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. The way of Balaam was that he loved money. Okay. He was blinded by money. He was not blinded by the light. Who who sang that song? Blinded by the light. I think you're right. Man Manford Man. Yeah. You know, I think I. You know, you're right. I think that's right. Uh, Bruce. And here's a weird one. Bruce Springsteen. I think wrote that, but they but they played it. He may have done it too, but he did a terrible job because he's an awful guy, awful singer. But, uh, yeah, he, 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 he wrote that song that they sang. Blinded by the light. Yeah, but they came out with the hit, whoever, Mansford man. Okay. Yeah, they, but, but that's the way of Balaam was he's blinded by the money. Okay. He was, what was the other movie? Show me the money. Uh, we, we all know. Okay. We all watch movies, don't we? What was that? What was that movie? Huh? Yeah, that movie. What was that? Tom um, Cruise. Oh well. Okay. So that's the way of Balaam. Now turn over to Jude eleven because that's what we've been studying. I got just a minute. I have got to get this thing going. Well, we probably do, but I, I, I want to keep going. I don't. I don't like focused on Balaam. Jude 11 says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they have ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Okay, so wait a minute. What's the error of Balaam? And I'll just give it to you. The error of Balaam was going back to Balak and telling him how to defeat Israel. Okay. And we can see the result of it in Numbers 25, 1 through 4. In that plague and in the fact of what they were doing, 24,000 Israelites were killed. Now, out of two and a half million, that's not a whole lot, but that's still a lot. Okay, And in Revelation 2.14, it's the last time I think I see it here, it says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Now, I did give you all these you know, a few weeks back. So what is the doctrine of Balaam? Teaching Balak how to destroy Israel without cursing them. And so what does that employ? You had to go back and study out what happened in Numbers chapter 25, 1 through 4. But here's what it is. It is teaching Balak to tempt Israel with women, sex which led to bowing down to false gods and eating things sacrificed to idols. All of that combined. And when you look at that, um, it is a religious system. And just like Cain had a religious system by works, this is another religious system that comes up right here. Okay, And so when you put all those together, That's why the Israelites had such a, not not Israelites, that's how the New Testament Christians had such a hard time eating meat offered to idols. Because in their mind, eating meat sacrificed to idols was partaking of a false religion because that's exactly what was going on here. Okay? So. That's what he taught them. That's what happens if you go back and look at the rest of the story. So Balaam, a godly man, went against God. He became an ungodly man. He did not curse Israel with his words, but went against God with his desire uh, for money by telling Balak how they could destroy Israel without cursing them. Okay. Wow, that's just page two. So where am I at here? Any, any questions so far? Because I'm questioning where I'm at. But i got notes all over the place. Um, so what is the doctrine of Balaam? It's teaching them... Yeah, okay. Okay, so here we are. I found my notes. Like Cain, who invented a religious system of works that's come kind of all the way down through history, Balaam introduces a religious system to Israel that involves worshipping false gods, in a ceremony that includes sex, eating things sacrificed to idols, and bowing down to them. Okay, Now let's look at some real quick similarities between Cain and, Bala- and Balaam so far. Both have satanic ties. Cain, and you want to write this down, and First John 3.12 says he was of that wicked one. And I didn't go into detail what that was. Balaam went to his own place. And we've seen that he's tied in with the other people. Absalom, Judas, all of the ghosts, those guys have satanic ties. So both have satanic ties. Both actually met with the Lord. Cain met with the Lord and had a choice. Balaam met with the Lord. He had a choice. They both uh, did the wrong thing. Both of them were murderers. Cain murdered Abel. And you could say, well, Balaam didn't murder anybody. He told Balak how to get the Israelites, and twenty-four thousand Israelites died in that. Now they made their own choice, but yeah, he instrumented it all. Okay. Uh, both went against the Lord. They went and then get this: they not only go against the Lord, they went against His word, and they went against His people. Both of these men were narcissistic and both were ungodly men. Okay, so we have an enemy and that enemy that we have is Satan. We know in, in 1 Peter five eight, but it's also ungodly men. Do you think about that? We know we have an enemy in Satan. Do you think about we have an enemy in ungodly men? We kind of do but kind of don't. We kind of dismiss it because I think we look at things through rose-colored glasses. So there are bad men out there today that want to destroy. And I'm talking about people in government. I'm talking about globalists. I'm talking about the New World Order group. I'm talking about the Great Reset and then a bunch of other groups. There are a bunch of men out there that want to destroy mankind. But what they, I don't understand is if they do that, it's going to destroy them. Okay. So they want to destroy mankind in general. They really want to f- destroy the Jews, now we know that. But here's what we don't always think about, they want to destroy Christians too. They they're coming after. Uh, I mean, they are after us right now, and we don't think about that. Why is the book of Jude written? It's to give us a warning. There are ungodly men out there that want to take us down. Okay? And that there are some people that follow them and go down. Okay? So the book of Jude is a warning. We are to be, uh, we are to contend for the faith because there are ungodly men out there. Okay? And again, we keep thinking Hitler, we, they just pop up, they're like daisies, you know. Where'd that come from? They just pop up out of the ground. What movie did that come from, Terry? Mulan. Mulan. Okay. It's like half my preaching comes from movies. I must be a Methodist. All right. Well, let's, let's stop. <laughs> let's pray right there and, uh, we'll move forward. So I gave you a lot of information, a lot of things to go back and look at. Uh, but again, we're looking at ungodly men. So we're going to start focusing on, uh, Korah next. But I didn't want to go overboard on, uh, we already spent, uh, this is the third week, I think, on Balaam. And then we could spend a lot more time, but he's, he, he's a bad guy. He's a bit, He might have looked good, but he's he turned bad. Okay, so let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today, Lord and Lord. I pray that we would we would watch out for ungodly men. That you would give us wisdom to know who to follow, to follow good, uh, uh, godly men and not ungodly men, Lord. And I pray that you would help us not only to follow these men, but to 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 do our part in, in uh, getting the gospel out and, and fulfilling the Great Commission and doing exactly what you want us to do. So I pray that we would stay focused. I pray our church would stay focused. And I pray that we would watch out for ungodly men and yet shun them and yet stay on track. So we pray for that this morning. We ask your blessing upon the rest of the day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right.